Welcome back to Night Shift Football. It is international week, and so we're taking a break from the usual stuff. We're going to have our first red edition of a new season. It is, of course, a version of the podcast all about Adelaide United and brought to you by fans. It's been a hell of an off-season, but not in a good way. And boy, do we have some stuff we need to air out. All right, I'm uh, I'm being forced to uh, drink on the pod for the first time in a few months because it's been a hell of an off season for Adelaide, hasn't it? I'm joined by uh, Tommy once again. Hey, mate. Hello. How you going? I'm in the middle of the five stages of grief. Brilliant. I don't know what the stages are, but I'll I'll just take your word. Uh, Cooper is also joining us again. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. Um, probably. Br- begrudgingly here to talk about about this stuff um mm. uh there's a lot to <laughs> a lot to dissect a lot of frustration i feel like we're gonna vent tonight but um it's been a while since we've had a red edition of the pod we go all the way back to the end of the season where we wrapped it all up um i want to take you guys back to that moment firstly we'll go right back to the semi-final second leg 20th of may we go down 2-0 to the central coast uh we're knocked out uh, losing 4-1 on aggregate. And I guess I just want to know what what do you think between between that point and now, what did you expect or what would you, what did you hope the club should do? Or what do you think we should have done that would see us maybe take the next step in the upcoming season? Tommy, I'll start with you. I personally I think I predicted before the beginning of the previous season that like this was the one that I thought that we really needed to clamp down on and go ham and like actually go out and try and win something. Yep. Um, I've just got this idea that things move in three-year cycles and it's, at, you know, post that too much can go wrong in an off-season. But if you're looking at it, you know, the team didn't need that much strengthening. I think you could have made three key signings probably right down the guts. Yep. A, a, a centre-back, a central midfielder, and, you know, a goal every two-game striker, that's probably more than enough. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, Cooper, thoughts? Yeah, very similar. Um, I thought, you know, it was re-sign the youth that had shown so much potential in the last season was step one. Um, and then build around said youth. Um, good youth is a fantastic thing, but for good youth to succeed, there must be good experience. And potentially it's been our downfall in previous seasons, losing all those semifinals. I think three consecutive semifinal losses now was potentially there wasn't enough experience in certain areas or the experience wasn't necessarily good experience. Um, I felt like we need we definitely needed a centre-back. Um, I know we spoke many times on the pod about feeling like Jakobsen probably had one more in him and we were a little bit surprised that the club was so keen to see him go and then to not replace him with someone that could really, you know, yep. bring these players in and rather go back to someone like Warland. Um, I, I'm not sure how much it showed that the club, you know, had huge ambitions. Um, so I thought, you know, one centre-back, maybe a midfielder. Um, we probably could have survived without one if if we re-signed all of our midfielders um, and then another attacker, whether it had been a striker or not, a striker would have been a hard position to bring in um, because Luke is coming through and we have Hiroshi already on a contract, whether he was out of form at the end of last season or not, he's not really a player we can just get rid of. Um, But potentially Mm -hmm. I thought if they're not going to start nesting games and we still don't know if they will, 
that someone to replace Ben Halloran potentially might have been showing ambition, but instead it seems like we're just sitting again. We got the best of both worlds, Coop. Now we're going to have Halloran playing up top. <laughs> you want him to uh, play as right back, don't you? Oh, I'm telling utopia. Utopia. Well, that's a big word for it. Um, I think we'll come back to the squad because uh, I know there's a lot to talk about in terms of the players that we've, uh, not that we've signed, the players that we've re-signed and the players that have left and things like that. Um, in particular, one really, 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 really big one. So we'll definitely come back to that. Um, weird though to have... Oh, don't give it away. Um, <laughs> weird though that we have an off-season like this and a chairman, an ex-chairman of the club sues... <laughs> Sue's the football club, and it's not the biggest story of the of the off season. But uh, Piet sued us, didn't he, Coop? Yeah, oh, it's, um... we should say not the podcast. <laughs> he didn't sue us. If he sued the no podcast, money. I don't think we'd be here tonight. We have nothing to give, so <laughs> give me Go back ahead. my Porsche. Yeah. Do you reckon you can? Do you reckon you can zip pay PVDP if you get <laughs> if you got sued by him, Tommy? Is that an option? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, it's it's funny you mentioned it's it's not the biggest story of the off season. It's it's almost a nothing story because, like you were saying, Sammy, it's not really something you know too much about. Um, which is amazing that a chairman can sue the football club that you know you live and breathe for a little bit and you know nothing about <laughs> it. Um, yeah. But no. Um. So yeah, Pierre Vanderpol gone from Adelaide United. Uh, about a month later, comes back, sues the club. Um, the headline states that former Adelaide United executive chairman suing club for $684,000 in unpaid salary. The Reds' former executive chairman is suing for hundreds of thousands in unpaid salary, but the club says it owes him nothing because he was never an employee. Um, mm, sounds it, like a loophole, hey? <laughs> this feels like a grey area in a situation where there shouldn't necessarily be a grey yep. area that you'd think you'd have all these, all these sides covered. Um, but you know, nothing really happened there, but the club essentially told the court that despite his former title and role at the club, Vanderpol's actual employer was a company called global football opportunities, better known as GFO, which is based in Hong Kong, which is that group that owns what was the sister club. And I mean, still is King Dow red lines or, Mm. And the NASA club, I know nothing about. Um, but the guys, GF- the guys that wanted us to sign Chen, correct? Yeah. Um, so GFO said that it supplied money to Mr. Vanderpoel in 2021 when he needed proof of income to secure a home loan and used Adelaide United's bank account to do so. Counsel for Mr. Vanderpoel. Interesting. <laughs> Vanderpoel denied the club's assertions and asked the case be set down for hearing. So this is this is pre-hearing. Um the club's position is there's no money's owed as he was never employed, so there's no obligations to pay a salary to him. And there's just two quite different stories. Um eventually it went to trial and the club thankfully won. Um and and that's thankfully, I guess. Owed, but, yeah. I guess, yeah, thankfully, I this guess. Is ha- this is how we get away with not paying you to do any social media stuff, Coop. <laughs> <laughs> Just you, uh, that's why I had to zip pay the bus because I secured a home loan with your bank account. <laughs> that's right to use the NSF funds, but it bounced back. Um, completely bizarre. And I guess just uh, one of many things that have happened this off season that have made me feel like we're running like an amateur football club. You know, we're hearing, well, we know of people who have, uh, been employed by Adelaide United and are now been uh, you know made redundant from that as they let people go and it 
the way the the transfer business has gone on, the Piet thing, it all feels like Adelaide United has just become a little, just a little, uh, a little toy, little money thing for for some owners, um, and a business opportunity rather than a football club. I just, uh, mm. I, I, I did want to know, um, just this was Sean Fuster from the Advertiser, their chief court reporter, reporting all of this. Um, he since then. Uh, last week has also reported that Adelaide United tells SA Court former boss Piet Vanderpol has not returned to the club's fifty thousand dollar BMW since the job ended. Um, so he's been out of the job for for a month and he's lost his six hundred eighty four thousand dollar court battle and he's started the BMW and he's taken off. Um, and I just the first thing that sprung to my mind and I don't know why it was, but the first thing that came to my mind was why does this club own a fifty thousand dollar BMW? <laughs> How many bags of balls do you reckon they can get in there at Highmarsh and drive them out to Elizabeth for a training session? Surely they would have been better off with a van or something like that. They won't let us take home a broken seat, and yet they're just slinging out luxury cars to every man and his dog, apparently. I don't know anything about any broken seats, all right? Allegedly. That's all I'll say on the matter. It's, it's, It's just case in point of the issues that arise when... I think you don't have like an accountable ownership group or you just, you just don't know who it is. And so if you don't know who it is, you can't really investigate exactly what is going on. So that's a, that's a concern we all raised when this, this group took over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, if Piet's saying they're not paying him for the job, I mean, at what point throughout your tenure as, you know, chief of Adelaide United, are you like, hang on, you're not paying me. Like if, if I miss my pay in a week, I'm ropeable. Everyone knows about it. Like, why is this guy, you know, cool? He's getting paid by GFL apparently. And now he comes out and he's like, oh, actually, you guys owe me 650 grand. Like, that's not how it works. I should have tried that when I left Coles. Should have just asked for 650K. I actually, um, with interest, I, I saw a great tweet the other day. Um, I was supposed to save it so I could give some credit, but it was, it's funny. It was, a bit of a light on the situation. Um, I know we're going to get to Craig after, but the tweet said that um, West Ham just sold their car for Lucas Pakatar and Adelaide United just sold Craig Goodwin to keep their $50,000 BMW. <laughs> I think the most interesting part of that was you saying Pakatar. Is that what we're going with? Well, it's the only one that rhymes, so it has to be right. Uh, it's all about the rhythm. Pakweta? No. Nah. You're with Pakatar. Pakata. Okay, interesting. Like the biscuits. Cooper's a strange individual, as uh, our loyal listeners will know. Um, let's talk about some actual football games. It's been an interesting road. <laughs> um, we'll start with the pre-season games, just before we get to the Australia Cup stuff. Pre-season games. We we played the Cove and won 8-1, allegedly. Uh, we had a game against Campbelltown that was cancelled. Uh, that we are we are told people rocked up to, uh, but the club never mentioned it was cancelled. And then it seems as though the entire preseason schedule has been since edited and restructured to look like it never happened, allegedly. Um, mm, very big lost, brother. We lost four two to Bergrad, allegedly. <laughs> um, we played allegedly a behind closed doors game against Campbelltown, and there was no mention of a score, uh, which led fans to rightfully believe that we may be were pantsed in that game by Campbelltown, who they did beat MacArthur after all. But uh, what sort of a preseason is this? It's not a preseason that you would schedule like on Football Manager, that's for sure. 
Because I'm I'm keen every week. I'm playing Adelaide City. I'm playing Parry Hills. I'm going down south. So it's so like to have two games, essentially, in amongst two, you know, Australia Cup games, maybe they were banking on a longer run in order to get, you know, more runs in the legs. I get it's a long off season, but it does seem extraordinarily short. It, it feels like we're going in undercooked. And, you know, if we're losing to Beer Grad, no disrespect, Beer Grad, great side, love going out there. Uh, and Campbelltown, supposedly, you know, limping past Northcote City, it doesn't bode well. And it just, again, it just adds to the shambles, uh, I think, that we're we're trying to get across here that this preseason has been. Yeah. Did you catch any of the, I'll add in the Australia Cup games, but we did go on to beat Northcote 2-0. We looked pretty ordinary. Goodwin scored from a keeper error and then Clough scored near the end. Um, We also, we then got knocked out 5-1 by Western mm. Wanderers, Wanderers. And um, I remember, I think it was Harper on the commentary saying that we looked super underdone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you look at that preseason schedule and then the way we played in those two, even the Northcote game was the most unconvincing 2-0 win I've seen. Um, the squad looks, oh yeah, you have to say horrendous right now. And the score lines are backing it up. Yeah, um, yeah. I just want to, the big note I have on that Northcote game is that performance, genuinely, like you just said, the most unconvincing 2-0 win you've ever seen. That performance tells me that not only did, obviously, people were there to see United lose to, to Beograd that night, um, but this side lost to Campbelltown 110% because Northcote City FC are an MPL 2 side that qualified for the Australian Cup. They are not yeah, a top-tier MPL side in New South Wales. They are an MPL 2 side, yeah. and we were lucky to beat them that night. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it rings just disgustingly true. Where, I mean, do, do you remember that preseason that we had where we got beat by Redlands? I think it was two one. Yeah, and there's so many shades of that coming back through. Uh, it feels like disasters written all over it, and then you know you get the events that have unfolded over the the last couple of weeks on top of it. You just like, oh, this has got disaster class written in every uh, byline coming for this season. It's it's disappointing. We can pretend that the Australia Cup doesn't really affect our season coming up, but I know that it is something Adelaide fans in particular have been fond of. And we joked around for a while calling it the Adelaide Cup, you know, because we'd, we'd had such a good record in it. Um, we got behind that competition and celebrated it like a, like you Sold should celebrate, like you should, yeah. like you should celebrate a trophy. Um, and to be just completely brushed aside in it here because it looks like we we're not interested or we're we're just so massively undercooked and uh, we've got so many problems in the squad. Um, I think you have, just go just on. on top of that, quick, yeah. There's been no touring teams really coming to Australia this year. Not that Adelaide usually play a lot of touring teams, but there was once upon a time where you get like a Liverpool in the off season, or you get. Did we play Valencia once? We you played get like Malaga. A, yeah. Yeah. And we played Villarreal. Villarreal is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you add in with the Australia Cup that if other A-League teams progress through it, which not all of them have, but it makes it difficult to arrange friendlies against similar competition or sure. better competition. And so I think that puts us on the back foot again as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> got this. We've got this image here that you sent in the group chat earlier from when United played Cove. It's Adelaide United tweeting 
that um, come watch us train, 6.30 p.m., Friday, blah, 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 blah. Someone's replied, 23-24 kit, question mark. And Adelaide United have replied, do you have a day job or is asking for the new kit all you do? And then another person has replied, when are you releasing it, though? And Adelaide United, the person who obviously doing Adelaide United's Twitter, said, not yet. Um, What sort of amateur shit is this? I'm all for, like, the banter, taking the piss online, all that sort of mm. shit. But these are genuine – that's a that's no one taking the piss. These are genuine fan questions from a fan base that pumps money into memberships that I haven't even gone into memberships yet. They've got this titanium membership this year. Apparently, you get a $500 speaker free with it, but the membership free. costs $450 more than <laughs> a standard gold one. So what's that all about? Um <laughs> You know, it's expensive to be a football fan and go to games and to buy food and to buy drinks and to park your car, to drive your car there or to get public transport, especially if you've got a family, all these things. And we've got people in charge of our social media accounts taking the piss out of people because they're asking about the new kit. Like, yeah. And you wonder, you want, honestly, (laughs) fuck off. That's a joke. (laughs) That is a joke. You put us on notice before the game as well. Um, the game it's just the yeah that's how i refer to this i come in pumped um you wonder who the tweet is for because it's not for adelaide united fans because everyone looks at it and thinks well why are you cussing us out like this guy's asking a genuine question like you said wants to spend money on the new kit which is what this freaking club needs apparently is every fucking dollar it can get and yet you know it's it just it makes no sense because no one's going to find it funny Unless an opposition fan sees it and then they think, oh, look at this Tim Pot Club. They're fighting with each other. And it just, oh, doesn't it bring you back to it's, the old pissant days? It's just completely, yeah, it's brought back that, the pissant stuff. It's com- it's just completely, like, added to the amateur feeling that this club has right now. Um, mm. Let's have a look at the squad. This is the main, I, I guess, talking point of the offseason. Um I'll run through the whole lot and then we can go back and we can break some stuff down. But firstly, the extensions. We've signed Javi Lopez on a one-year extension. We've signed Josh Cavallo on a two-year extension. Ethan Aligic, uh, Ethan Cox, two-year extensions. Uh, Luke Duzel, a three-year extension. Luki Jovanovic, three years. Johnny Yule, three years. And then out the door, Kasumovic, Blackwood, Dorigo, who we found out recently, and um, desperately, poorly, really late at the end, Craig Goodwin. Um, before we talk about these further in depth, one note that I wanted to make is that in A-League football clubs and football clubs worldwide, the person that is at the key and the centre of making these decisions is a club's director of football. Yep. Um, on the public record currently, um, the head of football, the director of football at Adelaide United is still Vito, who was obviously came in after Bruce Jatay left. Um However, Vito left the club before the start of last season. So yep. for the entire playing period of last season, Good. the decisions that would usually be made by a director of football were made by the club CEO, Nathan Kazmina, and by the head coach, Carl Veer. So two guys that should be doing other jobs. No disrespect to them in, in this scenario because yep. they're just doing a job that isn't their job to do. Um, but obviously, you know, he needed to be replaced sooner and he wasn't. Um, since then, there's still been no public announcement about a director of football. So as far as anyone knows, 
if they're aware that Vito's gone, they're, they know that Cosmina and Veer are doing it. If most mm-hmm. people aren't aware that Vito's even gone, so they may still think he's doing it. Um, there had been a few whispers around, around, I know we were aware through, through different avenues and, and, and friends of the show that former head of communications, Marius Zanin had moved into the director of football role about two months back. Um, there's been no public announcement of that from the club and still hasn't. But a couple of weeks ago, the Nestor Irankunda incident occurred in an NPL uh, final against Campbelltown. Uh, the both of you were there. He hit the deck. Uh, Christian Vidicchio was the referee at the time, jumped in, saved him, didn't save him, whatever you want to believe. Um, in the article, the advertiser wrote about this when discussing it. There is a line that says, Adelaide United Director of Football Marius Zanin said... <laughs> so the club has not publicly go. made this announcement, but it is announced in an advertiser article. So there is a whole mess around this director of football before these departures and signings take place. It's more amateur Crazy. stuff. Yeah. What What's Cosmina's role exactly? He's the CEO. He's the CEO. Okay. Um, it's just because like... Leeds are operating without uh, DOF at the moment, but they've got a football advisor and he's the guy that is kind of wheeling and dealing, but it's not even a situation like that. It just, it seems like we're flying by the seat of our pants right now. And it's probably reflected in the fact we haven't fucking signed anybody. Couldn't do it. Could you? Couldn't have one pod without you mentioning Leeds. You just had to go and do it. Um, which of these extensions are you most pleased about? Obviously, I'll go through them again quickly. Lopez Cavallo, Alagic Cox, Duzel Jovanovic, and Johnny Yule. Uh, which ones stand out the most to you, Tommy? Uh, it's going to be Luca and Johnny, clearly, because they seem to be the ones with the most upside, uh, probably the ones that can produce the most on the park for us and have the biggest resale value. Okay. And so I want to add Alagic into that. I... I have an interesting feeling Alligic may only play A-League. Um, not, you know, no knock on his ability or anything. I just, I think, he, do you get the impression he's got a Riley McGree trajectory in him or? Uh, Probably not, um, but are you saying that's what you think Luca and Yule have? I think Johnny Yule, definitely. I mean, uh, right. Chelsea was sniffing around him not too long ago. I think he's got that on the board. I think Luke has got, you know, a random Eastern European move in him and may be able to forge a career over there. Is this the Allegage one, great player. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just, he gives me the impression that he's going to be Adelaide United for a long time. I'm fine with um, that. Yeah. <laughs> outside, of, outside of that, not really. I mean, what's Duzel to everybody? Three years, that seems like a long time. Three years seems a real long one for him. Um Ethan Cox, you said off off air before, we've got like four goalkeepers at the moment. Um, mm, they could all start. Cavallo's a strange one. And I think Lopez, after the year he just had, is probably a strange one too. Mm, Cavallo makes perfect sense uh, for pure marketing terms. And maybe there's a little bit of... Uh, Jeopardy, if you weren't to re-sign him, look, look, we won't go too deeply into it, but I think the Cavallo one, I can, I completely understand. Whether or not he performs this season, well, who knows? What position is he going to play? Fuck, who knows? Uh, but yeah, the the Yavi one, what do you think? Not keen. Uh, yeah, well, I just think uh, maybe maybe like one, one year at minimum, I guess, uh, maximum, sorry. Um, but I'd rather have someone else there ready to go that we can be starting rather than relying on him each week. It, it was a very big drop-off. I know last 
this time last season, we were happy he'd re-signed and we'd kept him. But um, mm-hmm. the drop-off the season just gone was was big. So mm. I'm play- sure how much he can really offer us this year. Will he play second fiddle coop to Van der Sarg if he's fit? Yeah, I, I was about to say if they if they plan to play Harry Van der Sarg as a fullback this season, I would hope that Javi Lopez being here doesn't keep him out of the side because he's it seems that he's probably going to be the long term solution. Oh. Not necessarily that Van der Sarg is going to be a better player than Javi and have a better season than Javi would. Um, but I think it looks like he's the guy they're going to try and play there in the long term. And whether if Harvey could come out and have the season of his career this season, and I still think he's done in twelve months' time. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's all good, and I hope Van der Sarg works out well. That's whatever. At the end of the day, for someone like Lopez, though, it comes back to Adelaide's pretty poor use of international spots again. Yeah, well, yeah, it does, doesn't it? I, I was just about to say the one I'm like the the ones you just spoke about that you weren't sure of. Um, Harvey is the one I'm least concerned about because I genuinely sit here going like, do I genuinely believe that this club were going to sign an international player to fill that visa spot within the next twelve months? Like the fuck they were. Yeah. So does it make a difference? It's just no. like signing a 36-year-old Australian for another year. That's what it is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very low expectation, isn't it? It's almost the bigotry of low expectations now because we don't expect them to do anything more. And so when they do the thing that isn't great, we're just like, well, whatever. And for the first two or three weeks of last season, um, while Halloran wasn't playing, Harry van der was deployed as a right winger with Harvey at right back. Um, and then... Harvey copped an injury. VDS went to went to the fullback spot where he's more naturally played for Sydney in the past. And Halloran came back in on his wing. It, would it shock you at all if we don't sign a forward? Halloran plays up front. Harry van der Sarg plays right wing, and Harvey Lopez plays right back. Not at all. And you know, I think they might be planning for that, given that they gave uh, Bovelina the scholarship deal. And so I get the impression he's now the second choice right back. Yep. Um, I'm pretty happy with three years for Johnny Yale. Um, if things go right for him and he's as good as I think he can be, we won't see those three years. Um, but three years locked in means if he is as good as we think we are, we're going to get a transfer fee for him, um, yeah. which is That's never a bad thing in Australia football. It's probably the best piece of business we've done in this offseason. Um, now he just needs to play. With Louis gone, he just needs to play every week. Well, we're not signing anyone else, so he may as well play. He's going to have to play. <laughs> he's one of the only 11 names we got, so he's playing. It's grim. It's we, should so have, grim. we should have played the chimes at the start of this episode because the entire yeah. thing has just been a therapy session. The entire thing, just one get, one it off, get it off your chest. Um, yeah, Louis gone, I guess that opens the door. I mean, uh, good luck to Louis, I guess he... He always, I guess, wanted that move. I think he'd probably fallen yep. a bit out of favour with Carl anyway and only found game time because one day broke his leg, it seems. Um, which yeah, it saddened me. I feel like there was a player there, or maybe a really good A-League player. I don't know if he's going to be able to do much else over there and I question whether his choice of leagues is better for his career. But I guess maybe on a personal level, he felt like he needed to make a move over there to see what he could do and have a crack while he's still got the chance. So good on him. I would love it if we welcomed him back one day, if it doesn't work out. Um, The others there. um, Yeah. Giselle, not sure. I guess. Uh, Did we see much of him? Not really. Um, What can you base it on? I mean, there's, we don't know what to do. People are a bit hyped about him. Um, I've only seen good things about the fact that we've signed him. 
Uh, I didn't. I haven't seen much of him in the NPL, but I don't think he's played the last few games. He didn't play against West Sydney, did he either? So I'm not sure what the deal is with that. It it feels like we've just got a glut of very young, average central midfielders at the moment, and one yeah. of them has to come forward and step up and, and become the first choice. Johnny Yo, is he is he more in the cloth position, or do, can he play in Louis? Plays <laughs> plays more as a box to box in the NPL yeah. side. Um, but cool. when he did come into the A League side last year, it seemed like Cole preferred him as a ten. Um, mm. when I say preferred, I tell you that with a grain of salt. I don't I don't know whether that's because Cole felt that it's a better position to bring a kid into the the midfield in because he potentially doesn't have as much defensive responsibility. Um, and maybe yeah, with point. less options or more trust this season, he might play him in that box to box. Um. It's probably a wait and see. Uh, for me, I'm just Josh Cavallo had a really good season when he first came to us, and he's been out of form and he's had injuries. But I don't hate re-signing him. And and Duzel, there's people that are excited about him. He's been good for the NPL team. Cole believes his A League standard because he's brought him on a few times. I don't know how much. None of us know how much he plans to use him. I don't mind re-signing these guys, but two years and three years respectively is a massive commitment. Yeah. Like, what is the risk in signing these guys, giving them both one year each, because I can guarantee you not a single other professional football club is coming in for either of them. So they're not going to no. turn down a one-year deal with a professional side. And I can almost guarantee you that neither of them are going to have a good enough season to believe that if we only signed them for one year, we might lose them to someone else at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the danger, isn't it? That they do excel and then we can't keep hold of them. Never mind the extensions and the players re-signing. Just... It's really tough to sit here and go through the last few months and I've not brought anyone in. Yeah. We'll talk about the players that have left in a sec, but just it does appear the whole strategy was just never to ever try and buy anyone or to mm. spend any money or to look for anyone. And I guess if you're talking, like you said before, Cooper, our issues with the having a director of football or whatever, we're just trusting the coach or whoever else to somehow go and do these all this recruiting and find some players and do that sort of stuff. It's just an absolute mess to be in. Um, I guess the hope now, does, is it tonight? We're recording on the Tuesday nights tonight that the A-League signing period closes or whatever, and the only people you can get after that are, are free agents. So, yay. People yeah. who are good enough to play for anyone else are free for us to get. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> that means uh, Eden Hazard's coming in, right? Sure. I guess so. It must be. Must be. Must be so. But it just it doesn't ring true that we've made uh, a huge windfall from a very important player going, and you're not going to see a cent of that spent on a transfer fee. And not that Adelaide United have ever historically spent money no. on players. I think Riley McGree may have been the only one, but that's when we had Bruce Chute in that had some kind of idea of how to bring someone in for money and sell them on. Yeah. It's but, uh, but we have gone out annoying. and found players. We've gone mm. out and found Marcos Flores and we've gone out and found Isaias. We've gone out and found Marcelo Carusca, guys like that. Uh, we've managed to get in Sergio Van Dyke, these guys. We, nothing. We're just re-signing guys from last year who didn't really play. And then <laughs> in the last week, the real big kicker, out the door, obviously we've lost Kasumovic, Blackwood, Dorigo, we already mentioned. Blackwood, I can understand. Kind of, this is just A League, standard A League stuff, really. Players that come in and out the door sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But then we find out that Craig Goodwin is gone. His face is on the membership cards already <laughs> that have been sent out to people. 
Um, we've gotten a transfer fee. We're not going to spend any of it, obviously, because the it's too late. It's gone. Um, and then we're hearing reports. We don't know what is confirmed true or not, but we're hearing reports that um, the club refused to give the contract that Craig was after in terms of the years. Um, I don't know. I feel pretty shat on by this football club right now. And I think lots of people do too. Yeah, well, um, the club did this fantastic thing this year, a great initiative that a few AFL clubs do it, um, with membership cards. It seems to be people love like a physical membership card when they sign up for a membership. They don't want just yeah. the phone one. Like they I love like getting the physical membership and I'm a fan too. And mm-hmm. they dropped these eight awesome membership card designs where you could choose a player in a moment. And there was this, there was this great one with Eugene holding the seat and wonderful i'll tick that box and i'll get this you beauty so i've ticked off eugene i've got it and there's a fantastic one with izzy holding the ffa cup on what it was at the time on his head and one of my mates who's a member's gone that's awesome i'll tick that box i'll get that one well we sold craig goodwin and then less than 24 hours later both of our memberships rocked up in the post and neither of us got what we asked for instead we got a reminder that craig is gone (laughs) that isn't that wild that they gave everyone the choice and then they're just like Fuck it. We're going to give you a player that we sold. Yeah, you're getting him. <laughs> I, just, I don't know if it's like the link didn't work. Or, and the membership package came and they have the the original club logo on them, the old club logo with the uh, the UEFA Champions League ball symbol in it. And I mm. said, wow, I'm really surprised that they let us use this again. And then I thought, wait a fucking second. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. This is definitely a, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission scenario, isn't it? Um, but this club might not exist in 12 months time if you like forget to tell us. Let's, let's just hope that some copyright has lapsed and that that specific image is <laughs> available for free use. Uh, do you like the old logo? Nah, I get it. Nah. I get it's a twenty year anniversary, but that it just seems like a le- yesteryear thing. I thought we evolved past that. It that feels amateur to me as well. I, I feel am. like we're professional now. On the topic of logos, something that threw me a couple of years ago. Um, in the few years that I spent on the Red Army committee, I was organising some membership and the sorry some merchandise, mm. and the club were helping us out. And great service, by the way, Cooper. Fant- thank you. There was this fantastic idea. Um, why don't we bring out something that has like our logo and the club's logo on it next to it? So the club went and looked into this, um, or the our the person that we communicated with, and came back to us with, "We actually can't do this because the club doesn't own its own logo." The A League does, and every time the club makes a shirt or an item of merchandise or anything that gets sold to the public that has their logo on it, the club has to pay the league for the rights to do so. Bro, but so that means the APL owns it. So, so yeah, the, the APL in, owns the logos of every A League club essentially. But the APL is run by the clubs. So if I can bring us back, if I can bring us back, <laughs> this is a great good one. Cooper, I just—I think I'm avoiding, talking about logos. I think, I think I'm avoiding talking about him. <laughs> That's the first stage was, of grief denial. I was waiting on the permission to we do we talk about him now. Um, is this free reign? Do we just go? I brought it up, this so yeah. Okay. Um, You're not listening before when I talked. I just uh, wasted my breath. I was breath just here. trying to pretend that it's still. I mean, like Tom said, denial. Just pretending it still didn't happen. Mm. Um, yeah. What? What the fuck? Um, 
it came out of nowhere, didn't it? Just one, always. one random morning at 10 o'clock, I sent a Twitter screenshot to the NSF group chat with some random Saudi journalist Twitter page like, Craig Goodman's coming to our waiter. And Tom went, no, he's not. Don't worry about it. It's, it's not happening. There's no way. And then 30 minutes later, we had an Australian source and and then there was Robbie Cornthwaite. Uh, I hate to break it to you all, but the, the deal's done. It'll be announced later this evening um, and just all within 24 hours. And and after the closing of the window, so two days after the closing of the window. So mm. by the time we found out Craig was departing the club, it had been at least 48 hours before this deal had been closed. That's the thing that threw me and why initially I didn't translate the uh, the Saudi post. I thought it was just like a throwback. I was like, oh, this is like a random Saudi footballing moment. And they're just like giving him a bit of hive from a few years ago. How can you let this kind of monumental decision just lapse for two days and think, well, we're not going to announce it straight away. We'll just try and keep it under under wraps for a little bit. Doesn't it just encapsulate everything that is wrong with the process and everything that has gone terribly in the Craig Goodwin departure. Uh, I'm so bitterly, bitterly depressed about the whole thing because you yeah. finally get a bona fide star, like the best player in the league. Uh, it goes to a World Cup with the soccer, who scores against France, for Christ's sake. And a guy that you can literally sell thousands of memberships on the back of and then you find out, you know, four weeks before the season starts, you know what? Actually, we're going to accept a deal for him and we are maybe going to give him a slight nudge to go um, because the club needs the money, maybe, even though the club came out a couple of months ago and said that the finances are fine. And so you wonder, hang on, did we actually need to make this sale? Are we actually better off with $1.2 million in our pocket? as opposed to having Craig Goodwin on the pitch. It's just, it's, it's, it's a baffling transfer. And I can't imagine what the dressing room is like to see, you know, the, your captain, your match winner, just yeah. depart like that. Just, and if, if Adelaide United supporters couldn't be more infuriated by this news at the time when the club finally sent, sent the members first email out, um, Craig's message to the fans, he was leaving, which was one of those stereotypical videos where he looked like he was being held at gunpoint in a room behind a camera and made to read directly off a script um, and tell us all about how much of a fantastic opportunity it was for his family and how cuddly he was to be leaving. Um, when they first sent that video out, it was, it was a nice title, Craig Goodwin's mess, last message to the fans, and then a nice picture of, of him, and it was like, click the click the link above to access this video, and when you clicked the link, it took you directly to a page where you could buy an Adelaide United membership. Um, mm-hmm. And then seven minutes later, the club sent through Craig's last message to the fan, asterisk updated, asterisk, and there was actually a link to the video in this email. <laughs> we can't even send emails. Probably. What <laughs> hope did we have? Um, like you said before, Tommy, like that feeling of, I don't know, I've played in teams before where, um, you know, the your best player gets injured or something. And it's a real, like it's a real kick in the teeth. Um, it knocks you around. Uh, it's like you said, just kind of depressing. And you, you're like, the thought is how, how is everyone going to get up and about now for this season or what's, like, what's the plan from here? We were already, as if our preseason wasn't bad enough, 
we already mentioned the preseason results and the losses in the, to local teams and in the Australia Cup. Um, but now we've lost, you know, a World Cup goal scorer, Johnny Warren medalist, best player in the league, gone. Mm, um, and a player that had, what did he have left? Two years left on his Two contract? Years, yeah. And he's left at the peak of his powers and he's left for what, the same, roughly the same amount of money we got 15 years ago for like Nathan Burns. Like, come on. That's, that's, that's yeah. so, I, I just, I'm fucking sickened by it. Yeah. Because what, we got 800 grand. We got 800 grand for Bruce Jitte as well. And that yeah. he went to someone in Turkey. That's, and you think the money the Saudis are splashing around at the moment and we're sitting there like, oh, 1.2, that's pretty good. It like, feels like, fuck? it feels like we were lowballed and they were just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Oh yeah. Quick buck. Let's take that. Is that a decibel point? Like. <laughs> Hang on, is that seven figures? I meant 12 million, isn't it? Not 1.2, 12, 12 million. Someone's misread it. And then they've just said yes. And like, well, I can't believe it. We're selling Craig for 12 mil. And it was 1.2. Just, It's all just, it's just, I don't know. Um, but if we got 12 mil for him, I would have driven him to the airport myself. That's that's a wild, <laughs> wild yeah. amount of money. Um, Yeah, I'd... The whole the whole thing is just distressing to the point where I mean I think you guys are both in agreement that you would have given him the three years that he wants. Yeah. He didn't even reportedly didn't even want more money. Like what just he, wanted was, security. Was he 31? He'll be yeah. 32 at the end of the year, yeah. And wanted another three years on top of his two already. So mm. he'd have been 36. Um mm. how old's Javi Lopez? Yeah, is he? Yeah. Well, the, is he? the the deal that counterparted <laughs> no, giving them years. this argument was when we re-signed Izzy for his second te- tenure with the club, we gave him three years at thirty-four years old, taking him through to thirty-seven years of age. Exactly, and you can't Same tell thing. me that Craig Goodwin now isn't a better player than Isaias was then. Yeah, I mean, is the only thing you're concerned about is that he is slightly fragile, and he is. He's had two surgeries in the last year, but look, even then, he plays ninety minutes every week. Yeah, every week he, he plays ninety minutes. Yeah, he played Monday ninety was... minutes, five one down against Western Sydney. We're not worried about him being fucking fragile. Clearly, are we? Monday is thirty seven now, and he just let him go. He's only got one leg. Like, yeah, disaster. Absolutely, it is disaster. disaster. Um, there is, there's still a part of me that wishes he didn't take the deal, though. And that he just stuck two fingers up to the club and were like, you know what? I'm going to hang around because yeah. I know you want me gone. I think, but I don't necessarily want to go. I'll take my two years and then why not go to Victory or Sydney or somewhere and take a million bucks? Ooh, you would have accepted that more than him going to Saudi now? A little bit, yeah. But I'm very short-termist. I know, give it two years' time, I'd be like, I cannot believe it. Imagine if he stayed two years and then went for victory. Like, you were, like, I I know you. I know how you'd be <laughs> on Saturday night, Sunday morning at 2 a.m. after a day on the beers when all of a sudden it would enter your brain again and you'd explode and spam <laughs> us with your thoughts. You have you have actually wound yourself back a bit on your original take on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm to the acceptance stage of... Of grief, yeah. Um, yeah, the depression acceptance. Properly going through it, aren't you? Um, I got it all out Saturday night, yeah. My, As I'm sure all fans are at the moment. My biggest thing with this, um, 
Antonis bring him up all, all the time, friend of the show. He made a comment that the ironic thing about Craig's departure right now and the people saying that it would be stupid to give him five and take him through to when he's 36 is that what are the odds he goes to Saudi Arabia for two years and then comes back and plays here for three years after yeah. taking him here through to 36 anyway. And meaning that if we just give him, him the contract, we could have avoided this whole ordeal and had him for another three years at his peak instead of losing mm. two of it to Saudi Arabia. Now, my biggest issue with this is it seems like he's left on bad terms. It, like you said, you thought potentially there was, part of you that wanted him to turn around and stick two things up to the club and go, I want to stay. But my problem is he wanted to stay and the club still didn't want him. And now he's leaving her. And if he goes to Saudi Arabia for two years, earns 5 million bucks, decides that's enough money to set his family up and thinks I'll come back to Australia for a retirement party. There's no fucking way he's coming back to play for this football club. So we well and truly might have to accept and watch him play for another team. See that, that would be even worse. I think that would be, terrible if he returns and he's like you know what i'm gonna play for the new new zealand team i think well and there's clubs there's a-league clubs in the past that have shown that they will throw money at this guy he turned down money from other a-league clubs to come and play for us when he returned from our way to last time oh no he's got melbourne city written all over him doesn't he former club um all the jets go back to where it all started yeah super depressing i guess um I wonder what does all this do for our expectations of this season? I know we're still a few weeks out from our first game. Um, We're a good month still out from the season, but what are your expectations for the season now, given the games we've had, given the complete lack of, I thought we were genuinely going to go out and sign some players. I really did, or at least find something to bolster some of the squad that we had or rotate something, but just nothing. Um, what, yep. what do you think? Genuinely first fucked. Four, um, first four games, Cooper. Mariners, City, Victory, Sydney. Not worried about we're not from when we're not from twelve. Not worried about the first four, Tom. I'm worried about all of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> we are genuinely fucked. I said the other day that I could not find a single reason as to why we would not finish last this season now. Um, and then a couple of people reminded me that the Jets and MacArthur still exist in the league, and they're two good reasons. So it's a very um, good reason. Camping us for bottom. We're not playing finals. Get rid of that out your mind. Bottom three, um, we spoke a million times last year about being the barometer in this league for consistent attendance. You can kiss that to fuck goodbye. No one's showing up to watch this team play every week. I'll give you a strong tip. That's Oakland, it. Oakland A's. That's what I've got hey. the feeling. Oakland A's stuff. Oh, no. At least they were an underdog. We're not even really an underdog at this point. Because did you, did you see the all-time ladder? Like, we sit third. We actually have yeah. a legacy to try and you know build on and hang on to and continue to be a competitive club every season i have i have seen people point that out as a um like a accepting mediocrity type thing but it's Mm. i think it's more just uh accepting the reality that adelaide is a small fish in the footballing world and that i think we do take some pride and we do punch above our weight i think that's fair to say we do we say it on here all the time that adelaide punches above its weight in the footballing world um with what we've achieved with our, our, you know, the cups, the championship, the the two premierships, and just consistently being around the mark year after year after year. Sure, we've had a few down years. You're always going to, but we we're, we're never too far away from being in the mix and contending for silverware. Um, yeah. 
it looks like this year is one of those years and we'll just uh I'm ready to almost write it off now. That might be super negative. I don't know if there's any Adelaide fans out there right now that are more optimistic about the season still, I guess. Or uh, don't get me wrong, we're still gonna get behind the players, aren't we? Like true. We're supporters true. Of, of this team, we're supporters of this this state, I guess, more than I guess we are the football club. So we're still gonna get behind it. Um, but it's it's gonna be a tough watch. A couple mm. of interesting takes and, and things that, that have come to me and that I've found in, in the last, you know, probably four months in the off-season, but especially in this last week now, um, is that Adelaide is a town that is happy to punch above its weight and accept mediocrity. But one thing that this town has never accepted in sport is complete and utter failure. And if this club is on a path to that, then it's going to have a nasty, nasty demise and public season. Um We've seen it in AFL, in, in basketball, and anything. When a team is down in the dumps, this town has a way of shitting on that team. And we've seen it with oh, Adelaide yeah. United before. Um, so if it goes that bad, who who knows the depths of where this gets to? Um, and then there's part of me, like you said, support the players that wants to be wrong about all of this and watch this youthful young team of guys that deserve opportunities in the top tier of this country's football flourish and and punch above their weight again and potentially be successful. But then there's part of me that just wants this season to be a fucking ginormous failure. (laughs) So some people at the top learn the lessons that they really need to learn and potentially don't make these decisions and mistakes again. It's always the tough, uh, the moral dilemma, isn't it? It's uh, if we, you know, if if it does work out and we have an okay season, then it's just, it's fuel for the club to just continue down that path and do it again. But even if we're terrible, the club have still made their money. And so some individuals are still have lined their pockets from this deal and from, you know, the very threadbare way of which we run the club. Because we've never really been, I mean, when the Bianco collapse happened and there was talk about Adelaide going under, but in the last 10 years that we've been supporting them or so, I would support them for longer, but in the last 10 years, I can't think of a moment where the club was in jeopardy like other A-League clubs, like where they've talked about actually folding it or having to revoke the license. And so it is, in that sense, a financially stable club. And so some people are making money from it. Mm. And so if we have a poor season, they're still going to make their money and we're just going to be upset by the fact. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to add. I think that's probably enough for now. We might check in in a few weeks again when we get closer to that first A-League game. But anything else? Ah, God, I don't know. (laughs) There could be some seriously depressing at-the-match podcasts to come this season. Yeah. Well, Uh, it'll be easier to record because there'll be no noise around us. (laughs) Um, There won't be. There will be no one around us. It'll just be the wind. We'll just have to stop that. Um. One we didn't mention was uh, Nathan Amanatidis, who was on uh, part of Adelaide United's youth setup and went and turned it on in an under-17 Asian Cup, scored three goals. And then a month later, he's not an Adelaide United player anymore and he's signed for Sydney FC. So there's just another one to add to the list for this great bloody off-season, isn't it? Mm, exactly. I mean, look, right, before we go, what would we have to sign in order for any kind of sentiment to turn around? Because I was having this discussion on the weekend there's a few interesting free agents who, you know, you're, you're dipping in the aging ex-Premier League market now. But, you know, if you sign someone, say, Yannick Balassi, for instance, to come in and fill Craig's role, I know he's not going to be Craig Goodwin. But could you get, you know, someone of like a Leroy, George, Ilk, you know, like a, 
who's bombing it in for Sydney at the moment? That's not too bad. Robert Mack, I think he scores some bangers yeah. occasionally. Is there a way that we could galvanize it? I don't know. I feel like there should be. I feel like we've done it before. Maybe not mm. so much from England, but we've done it before. Um, you know, we have like I said it earlier, we've found players in the past. Uh just right now, the lack of communication and stuff from the club, the lack of uh direction and things at the moment leads me to believe there's not much being attempted at the moment. Um and so what we've got is what we're going with. I think do you think we'll add a player in the next four weeks before the season starts? Potentially yeah. a free agent. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. I reckon we'll add three. They said they're going to add three. And so I guess you just take it on their word. We're going to yeah. get three free agents. One will probably be that Chinese kid again. <laughs> the return back. of Chen. Hey, young yeah, Bin back in. The return of Chen. Well, what? Yeah, maybe Chen. Uh, to yeah. answer, if, if I can just quickly answer Tom's question. Um, for me, no, because there's no way you can go out in a transfer market, a free agent window or whatever, and find me a person that loves this football club like Craig Goodwin did. Um, yeah. the issue that I, I, the reason I had no issues with a five-year contract is because five years for Craig taking him through to 36 could turn into 15 years at this club as any sort of development coach, any sort of assistant coach. He could, you don't know what his coaching capabilities are or whether that's what he wants to be, but he is just a guy that, that loves this state. He loves football. He wants to be involved in this club constantly. And we've seen that and guys like that do not grow, grow on trees. Um, someone made a great. Um, comparison to when we let Eugene walk to Melbourne City um, and we're fortunate enough to this day that he came back and he's now an integral part of our coaching panel mm. but there was a scenario where he didn't come back and we might be without him and there's a scenario there where Craig might end up playing his last two years in Australia somewhere else and then becomes an integral part of their coaching or their development. Mm. They always come back. Karuska did the same thing, and now we've signed him to our academy or whatever. He's an academy coach. So there's the lure of South Australia that people don't understand if you haven't lived here. But Got to get him here first. Got to get him here first. All right, we'll leave it there. Hey, uh, if you're new to the pod, uh, thanks for listening. Um, Check out, we've got Euro episodes every week covering the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, all that stuff. If you like it, head on to Spotify, Apple, wherever you get it. Give it a rating and share it with your mates. And uh, go the Reds. We'll see you closer to the season, I guess. Yeah, up the Reds. (laughs) See you, boys.